0: Hello, this is Kelly Fitzpatrick with Redmonk. Here with my excellent Redmonk colleague Kate Holterhoff. We're here with another episode of the Docs are In, and this time we're going to be talking about open source documentation. With us today is Abigail McCarthy from VMware, who has a giant title that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Um, but Abby, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on, and really excited that we're finally able to have this conversation. Um, so I am a technical writer. Uh, I know Kelly mentioned my very long uh, title, Uh, but basically what I try to do in my day-to-day job is to help open source communities um, build up docs communities and docs culture within their open source projects. So figuring out processes, um, trying to help get people involved, um, actually creating the docs on time for a release, uh, so going through all that process and really being an advocate for documentation within open source communities and that's sort of me in a nutshell at the moment. That was a very succinct nutshell. Like I need I need to be able to talk about what I do in a nutshell. That that um, that succinct and Um so, so to start off, I know the story because like you and I have worked before in in previous previous jobs. But um, for folks who don't already know you, how did you get into technical writing? Yeah, so I always like to say that I kind of got into technical writing accidentally. When I uh, graduated with a computer science degree and I started working as a web developer, uh, I did not know that technical writing was a field or anything at all. I had never heard of it uh, until, you know, I was kind of looking for a new job. And, you know, a friend of a friend's was like, hey, my company is looking for a technical writer. We, We do like cloud computing. Do you think you would be interested in that? And after quickly Googling a little bit of what what those words were, uh, I I figured out that, you know, technical writing as a field existed. And it was things I was already interested in doing as part of the job that I was doing already. Um, So, you know, coming up with uh, documentation about processes of what things that we've been putting together, doing little trainings, um, thinking about how to organize information uh, so that we can put things together for our clients and, um, you know, just internal things. Uh, so it kind of through 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 that was sort of my gateway into technical writing, uh, and I, I ended up getting that job, which is where I I met Kelly. Um, so it was kind of an adventure in um, learning a lot of things. I had never done anything with the, cl- the cloud before. Uh, I had not done anything with technical writing, so everything was just a lot of new information coming in. Um, and I'm really never looked back. It's been a really great experience being. Uh, technical writer, it incorporates all of the things that I love doing, like coming up with processes, coming up with uh, investigating how things work uh, and then conveying that information. It's actually, it's always funny to me that I do technical writing because um, I actually usually hate writing. It's like probably the the, the part about my job I like the least, but I like that it's part of, for, for me, it's sort of the culmination of all the work to figure out how things work uh, how, uh, how all the pieces work together within a particular product or a project. Um, and then the output is, is the writing piece, which is kind of maybe why I spend the least amount of time or the least amount of energy by, by doing more the research at, on the front. end. so that's my, my origin story, if you will, that's a great origin story. And like, I, I love the idea of how many writers actually hate the process of writing or have a love hate relationship with it. Like I, I definitely live in that in that world as well. And as you were speaking, I just realized this and we've we've all like chatted before on like planning calls and things like that, but um you you went from web developer to tech writer and, and Kate in some ways went from kind of like techcom professor to web developer. And I both helped poach you from your web development jobs to come work with me in some capacity. So woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. is that wow. a coincidence maybe it can't be. <laughs> So, Abby, you work for VMware, but your job is to work uh, on open source projects. Uh, for instance, you're currently uh, working on uh, Kubernetes. Can you tell us more about what it's like to collaborate on open source? Yeah, it's been a really great experience. Um, so I've been around more of a lurker in the Kubernetes community for a while because it was related to other project products that I was working on or other you know, more enterprise in, uh, endeavors that I was working on. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to switch uh, being completely into the open source world and helping other um, CNCF and, and cloud native projects um, with their documentation. And that sort of led me back into the Kubernetes community and being able to be there a little bit more full time than I had been able to do previously. So um, it's a really wonderful community from my experience. Uh, there's been a lot of really great. Um, people that I've got to connect with and learn from. When I first got engaged a little bit with the Kubernetes community was when things were sort of just sort of forming. Um, and I got to sit in a lot of the early um, SIG docs groups. So Kubernetes is, is organized into different special interest groups. Um, and they have one dedicated to all of the pieces of documentation. So the website documentation, localization, all the, all the, all the things that go into uh, documentation for a project. Um, and I got to sit in when, sort of got involved a little bit when that project or that piece of the project was sort of formalizing and setting up processes and figuring out how documentation was gonna work within the Kubernetes project. And that was also when I was just starting out as as a writer myself. So I got to learn um, about that process of setting things up and how to do things at scale, what processes work, what maybe doesn't work, how to be inclusive, how how to really engage with people, Um, And set up an environment that people will want to be a part of, uh, in this case, documentation, but in part of the uh, open source project. So I feel like I've been really fortunate to be able to be a part of Kubernetes um, and really learn from people who are pioneers in the field uh, in open source. So it's been really great. Yeah. And I know you've given a talk at a write the docs conference on getting started with open source. And we'll, we'll get, we'll get a link to that for, for folks who want to um, see your brilliance on that, on that topic. Cause I think those are publicly av- available as well. Mm-hmm. But I also know that you went to your first in-person KubeCon just this past fall in Detroit. Um, and I, I just wanted to know, like, what are your thoughts on KubeCon from that kind of documentarian perspective? Yes, I was able to go to KubeCon and it was amazing. I have been trying to go for a long time and for personal reasons, lots of other reasons. I was not able to attend until this very, you know, the, just a couple of months ago. Um, and it was really a wonderful experience. Like I said, I've known a lot of people in the community for a while. So I got to actually meet them in person uh, and connect with them outside of the Zoom scape. Uh, so that was really nice. Um, I think... From the perspective of a documentarian, I think it's always really pleasantly surprising how engaged folks in the community are with documentation. It's something that people think about, ask about, are really excited for things that are going on within um, the documentation uh, group. Um, and I really I really think that that is a, a big positive and benefit um, within the Kubernetes landscape is that they have made documentation um, a big part of the release process, the development cycle. Um, And I think that that has led to a lot of helpful uh, adoption of Kubernetes because they do have uh, good docs processes. Um, And it's really nice to see people within the community um, actively engaging and being part of the documentation um, in addition to the code and the other aspects of the project. The sort of enthusiasm that you're seeing in the Kubernetes uh, community Really reflects a lot of what the series is supposed to to uh, be about. Uh, also, it also is something that we see at Redmonk uh, pretty broadly. Uh, I guess what, what I'm really curious about though is why docs are so critical in open source projects uh, in particular. Yeah, I think well, I always think docs are important, uh, which is a good way to stay employed is to be advocating for docs to be imp- uh, important project <laughs> important processes, but. Um, for open source, I think they're really critical because um, they are the main window or the main avenue that folks will be able to understand what your project is about and how to use your project, why they want, why they should be involved, why they should care, why they should talk to their friends, why they should talk to their coworkers, to their managers and say, this project is really great because it solves X, Y, Z things. Um, so with... Um, Documentation in particular is um, you know, like I said, the main avenue because you don't necessarily have all of the resourced teams that you would as part of a company or a product team. You don't have a marketing team uh, necessarily unless you're part of a really big project, which not everyone, a lot of most projects aren't. Um you don't have a marketing team, you don't have a sales team, you don't have people um, creating additional collateral and interest um within your project. It's really just what you have written in your documentation um, and what you can ch- show people and highlight p- to people within um, your repo or wherever your code base is, or if you do have a website, if you're able to create one. So I think that that's why um, it's something that will be re- is really critical if your long-term goals for your project are around adoption or creating like um, a big a big community, you're going to need to have invested in documentation so that you can get the word out about your project, um, and have a place for people to, uh, really engage and understand what you're trying to do with your project. One thing we hear about all the time are the challenges of like maintaining open source projects and, you know, finding, finding contributors and maintainers, you know, and the like, what are some of the challenges that you specifically have seen with open source and documentation? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think those, those are really the biggest ones. Like you mentioned, it's, I'm still trying to find people who have time to invest um, in your project and also having the time yourself to invest. You know, it's sort of a lot of things I hear, a lot of talk I've heard in open source in the past couple of months has been around um, creating mentorships um, and a mentorship avenue for folks, I keep saying the word avenue, I hope that's like my hot button word for the day. It's a, um, it's a great creating, word. Yeah, <laughs> creating the, those avenues for people um, to get into your project, get invested, um, and then also like uh, climb your contributor ladder from being within your community to contributing in some way, um, and then you know learning about your processes and then taking on more of a leadership sort of role and carrying the torch forward uh, within, as part of, of a maintainer set. So I still think that that those are probably still uh, a problem across all areas in an open source project is finding people who are able to stay because it is often volunteer based. Uh, people have to do the nights and weekends, which is not always sustainable. For a lot of people, it's not always practical for people, which is completely understandable. Um, but it is it is like a a, a a big challenge in all areas. Um and I also I also think specifically for technical writing, I think it's something um, technical writers are aware of as an, an option for, you know, contributing as people need to do. Uh, technical writers can get involved in open source projects too, but I, I think there could be also some more um, just general advocacy and, and outreach to technical writing communities to get folks a little more engaged. And I think there might be a little more pieces to do, a little more bridge work to get folks um, who maybe don't have as technical of a background, more um, more help within certain projects to to get more more get to the point where they feel more comfortable engaging um, in a more long term sustainable way. So yeah, see the avenues avenues and bridge work metaphors are working very nicely, just, nicely a lot together. Of, a lot of like civic engineering going on <laughs> in open source today. Well, to expand on that idea of bridge work, uh, are there any processes or advice that you found to be particularly helpful? Um, Something I would say process-wise within um, technical writing and open source, I think um, a big thing to learn or be aware of is um, the DOCSIS code sort of methodology um, to think about how, and that's, that's basically the thought that you should treat your documentation as, in the same way that you treat your code. So it should live within the same repo as you have your code or very closely to where you have your code, go through the same processes, um, same development cycle, review cycle, um, merge, you know, whatever whatever cycles you have or whatever processes you have that you apply to your code, you should do the same within your docs and everything should follow the same um, development cycle, release cycle, um, same level of engagement from from people across your, your whatever team you have, hopefully it's a team, maybe it's just one person who is a maintainer for your project, um, but whatever processes you have for developing your code should be applied to your docs. And I think that that's something um, particularly uh, resonates with open source projects because uh, it's for free. So you are using the same, uh, <laughs> same tools that you are using to manage code. You don't need to have an additional um, code, not code, editor or additional tools or whatever to manage your docs everything can be managed in the same way um so i think that that's something that's really important to know about um if you are somebody who's interested in in technical writing and technical writing and open source that i would definitely recommend and getting a little more information about that um, and getting familiar with those processes Um, yeah i think uh like not specifically processes for like, I was talking about Docs as Code, but just like generally with getting involved in open source, I think um, the best advice I can give is to just do it. No, it's uh, uh, just try to find a place to get involved and know that not every community that you start out, you know, not every community that you enter into, it might not be a good fit for you, um, but I don't, I think you should still not get discouraged. Still try to participate, join community meetings, join Slack channels, you know, um, anything you can do to get a little more information about your the project that you're interested in to see if it's a right fit for you, and then continue um, just trying to get uh, uh, get more involved and, and just really reach out. It can be really uncomfortable. Like I said, I was a lurker in the community for Kubernetes for a long time, so it can be really uncomfortable, and it might take a while for you to feel comfortable to do that. But I, I definitely would encourage people um, to go out and find a community if they're interested in contributing to open source and just sort of put yourself out there. Even if it's uncomfortable, um, I promise you, people will be receptive and happy that you're there. And if they are not, then that's not the community for you and you can find someplace else to move on to. Yeah, agreed. Um, and Abby, you talked a bit about docs as code, which is something we've talked about before um, on the docs you're in, clearly. and probably needs to talk about more um, You know, into infinity. Um, but another thing that we've heard a lot about is the idea of treating docs as products. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I feel like sometimes when I get talking about docs, I'm kind of like the meme of uh, the guy from Agent Aliens where he's just like aliens, but I'm just like docs, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about docs in general. Like it is the root um, solution uh, for for all of my things in my personal opinion. So I do think that uh, it's very important and very worthwhile for you to spend the time to treat your documentation as it is a product or at least in step as the same level of everything else you're doing with your product or your project um because i think if you if you take a step back uh, and sort of go through your whole development cycle or release cycle or whatever it is um and just sort of know all the places that you have to write things down either in planning, your road mapping, creating issues, um figuring out how things work or doing um Proposals, or pro, you know, yes, proposals is probably the most universal word of like how 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 you want a feature to work, um, and then all the other pieces that go into it. When you have a release, uh, you have your release notes, um, you have communications that go out if if you have uh, a presence on social media or on Slack or on some other sort of some way that you tell your followers uh, that, that a new release has happened in an email. All of those things are pieces of documentation. Uh, Maybe not in the more traditional sense of the word of documentation, which is only user guides, tutorials, reference guides, or or things that are in the docs section of your repo or on your website. Um, But I do think that all those things um, are really important for your project. And they do um, count as documentation and pieces of writing that you or someone within your community should be responsible for at some point um, along the way. So I think that that is why it's worthwhile uh, worthwhile to create um, the culture of docs, which I think I've mentioned before, um, to keep uh, uh, documentation on par with all of the project work you were doing with you know being the code work that you are doing um, so that you can make sure that all of these pieces go together and they all have kind of a through line um so that when you go get to a release or get to wherever you are, um you'll be able to present um your users or be able to remember yourself what was happening. <laughs> when you were doing something along the way, yeah, I love the I love the culture of docs idea. How do you how do you elevate docs, and not just to keep them in sync, but to make them more visible and use them as a, as a tool? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I I, lo- I don't I feel like I heard that from someone else, so I'm probably not giving someone some proper credit. Um, but I, I like the idea of of creating uh, just like a culture, like a positive culture, and it's not mm-hmm. like a chore because a lot of times. Uh, some people have that perception that documentation is a chore or an afterthought or whatever. Um, but if you start it right at the, from the beginning and say these are the, the things that are important to her project, uh, it will just become ingrained in in the layout of your community anyway um, and just become a part of how people work within your community. Well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that we've only scratched the surface in talking about open source docs, but your your expertise and your time is is very much appreciated. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, a true pleasure to be able to chat with you all. Thank you. And with that, the docs are out.